Hello, hello. Test, test, test. Hello, hello. Three, two, one. One, two, three. What the <laughs> heck is bothering me? Man, Yusuf Nurkic turns into Ari Gold in front of a fan. Seattle great Jamal Crawford retires and will break down the legacy impact for the upcoming 2022 playoffs. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? 2000 white chocolate or 2001 Mike Bibby? Ooh, John, how you living? Living great. I'm going to go with white chocolate, even though he dissed Kobe. <laughs> Sammy, how you living, man? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm going to go white chocolate just for all those YouTube highlight reels I can always look back on if I want just 10 minutes of solid passing. <laughs> JJ, who you going with it, man? Damn. Is this going to be a sweep again? I'm going white chocolate. Oh, it, it is a sweep. I'm definitely going with white chocolate. Like like Sammy said, you can't pass up those highlights when you look them up. Anyway, guys, I'm back. Sammy, you did a great job hosting the last time or, yeah, last pod. Thank you for doing that. Anyway, we have some quick hit news, and here we go. Starting off with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've secured their second winning season since, that's right, 2005, when they had the big ticket Kevin Garnett. They're currently ranked first in points per game, second in three-pointers made, third in blocks per game, fourth in steals per game, and eighth in point differential. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I know I didn't, and they could be a sneaky dark horse and someone who could knock off a high seed in the playoffs. Oh. A report came out from head coach Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets that Jamal Murray, unfortunately, is, quote, not close to rejoining the lineup. This contradicts what was said maybe a month ago when it looked like they were going to start ramping him up, but apparently we don't know if he's had a setback or if they're playing a little 4D chess and just being a little bit cautious about what they're telling to the press. Michael Porter is rumored to be nearing a return, but it's been very quiet on that front as well. So we could see him in a week, but we haven't heard anything just yet, so we'll see what happens with the Nuggets. Uh-huh. So James Wiseman, who's been rumored to come back multiple times this year, has again stalled his return. He had swelling in his knee after playing multiple games in the G League. It's pretty uncertain when he'll be back, but all of the beat writers for the Warriors are stating that it won't be likely that he'll return this season. And it's pretty sad. He's only 20, yet we haven't seen much much of him play. So... Big ups to Wiseman. Hopefully he could come back with a vengeance and take the league by storm like Joel Embiid. Yeah, absolutely. And the news that I have is DeMontis Sabonis is undergoing an MRI on his left knee. All I know is that it's the Kings, right? It's the Kings. They're probably trying to tank. I got De'Aaron Fox on my tanking bingo card for next injury. (laughs) So maybe he'll be out. I don't know. But we're going to get to our first piece of news here. The Trailblazers' Yusuf Nurkic confronts a fan, he snatches a fan's phone, and he throws it. It's unclear what happened next, and it doesn't appear like there's any information about what the confrontation was like. All that we know is that the Pacers fan said something that Yusuf Nurkic didn't like, and he ended up throwing his phone. What did you guys think of this little video? Makes you wonder if Nurkic was like, hey, it's middle of the week, it's Portland against Indiana. No one's watching. Let me get some attention for both of these teams. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there. Uh, clearly, 
something got on his nerves and since he can't talk about it we're probably not going to know the true extent of the story on one side because of the perception and how it's going to go obviously it wasn't the best look on the other side for unintentional comedy it was absolutely hilarious and it added just a little bit of spice to the nba media day so i didn't mind seeing it but i would love to find out eventually what set him off bad boy Yusuf Nurkic just wanted to one-up Kevin Durant after KD told the fan to shut the F up. He basically wants to say, hey, KD, hold my beer. But, uh, man, these uh, Eastern Europeans, right? I think Nurkic's, they are they're not to be messed with, man. They're, they're coming around, tossing people's phones, vandalizing, getting their brothers involved and fights don't mess with them don't mess with them man they're crazy no i mean like sammy said i would love to see what actually started the confrontation what provoked it i'm sure the fan was talking smack throughout the entire game but it comes with the territory unless he crossed the line and said something about a family member or you know something just uncalled for then i don't i I think it's funny but you don't mess with other people's property unless it's something pretty serious talk to him yeah, so fellas, I tried to do a quick deep deep dive about the situation and there was someone that stated that the fan, this kid, quote unquote kid, made a comment about Nurk's grandma who passed away. So everyone started to comment on that. But someone had a rebuttal and said I was actually one of the security guards at the game and Nurk was just sensitive from this fan's trash talk. And then a, another Portland fan chimed in and said, yes, Nurk is super sensitive. One of my friends at a Portland game made a comment at Nurk and he totally yelled at us. So what comes to mind? <laughs> hey man, Tywin Lannister, one of the best Lannisters from Game of Thrones said, a lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of sheep. Nurk, what are you doing, dude? You're going up to this kid. And by the way, he's not a kid. He had a beer in his hands. Okay. He looked like a kid. Grabbing his phone. Yeah, he looked like a kid. And he just tossed it. Like, come on, dude. You should know better. Dude, exactly. You, you should know better. Thing is, is that, like, you're not at the zoo, right? Like, you're you're not behind some glass that you, like, tap. Like, you, this is a, <laughs> a, a 300-pound human being with real emotions right so you better watch what you say because otherwise you might warrant a reaction and i think if that grandma story is is true dude if someone talked about my grandma like that i'd probably smack him right yep yeah just throw his phone i applaud that because i probably would have done a lot more than just throwing a phone anyway Moving on to the next topic, Jamal Crawford announces that he officially retired from the game of basketball at the age of 42. One, what do you guys think of this news? Two, do you guys think he's the best sixth man of all time? Okay, I know I'm not the only one who's thinking this, but I guarantee you, (laughs) tell me you're not, I'm not the only one that thought he was already retired. Raise your yeah. hand. I, I did too. <laughs> I, I, okay. I thought he was retired, dude. Okay. I was like, what? Yeah, I just I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one and people on here aren't lying. 
And yeah, sure I thought it was like Throwback of... Thursday or yeah, something like that. Of... I was like, what's yeah. what's happening here? Uh, okay. Well, first of all, congratulations, Jamal Crawford, on retiring. Enjoy that. I'm sure you'll uh, hopefully you'll find another hobby or something to take up your time. But he was a heck of a player. I think he was a little bit underrated just because he was. There was a misconception about Jamal Crawford that he was very flashy, which he was. And I think a lot of his accolades and a lot of his, the allure about him was that he was flashy. He had a, the, you know, he's known for that crossover, that jump step crossover. And but he was he was still a decent player. I mean, he could create his own shot. He was a great sixth man, and he he could put up points and just kind of, you know, when the starters got the rest, he could stick it up for the bench and make sure that the score didn't get out of hand or maintain it or even keep a lead. So. For me, he's a great six-man, but I don't think he's the best six-man of all time, no. I think that definitely has to go to Manu Ginobili. I mean, he has five rings. He is. Yeah. He was definitely slighted for the 75th anniversary team, in my opinion. And he was just, man, he was super underrated. So I'm going to go Ginobili. But Jamal Crawford is definitely top three, top five, four or five uh, when we're talking about best six-man of all time. True. So when I think of uh, Jamal Crawford, the first thing that pops in my mind is that if he played in today's game, in his prime, he would probably be an all-star because defense is, is not much stressed as it was in the 90s and 2000s. And he was straight up heat check, come in and just do work. And people have the stigma about coming off the bench as a six man but the purpose of the six man is to provide energy with the second unit and I think what people need to realize is that it doesn't matter who starts it matters who ends the game and Jamal Crawford when he was in the game teams were scared because they didn't know how to stop this guy and if I thought if he was in the right system where a coach could use him to his full potential he wouldn't just be on the bench. He would be a bona fide star. So, shots at you, Doc Rivers. You didn't use him correctly. <laughs> I'm going to go a little contrarian on that take. But for Excuse me, um, I, I have a little homer for, for Jamal Crawford. Because, obviously, I remember his his best days are probably those with the Clippers. I think we would all agree on that. At least the most memorable days we have of him. To me, he is the most unheralded member of that Lob City squad. Because when everyone talks about him, they talk about DeAndre, Blake, and CP. But he was the guy that came in on the second unit and still provided flash. He had great chemistry with Blake. They had a lot of lobs and stuff of their own, but I can't put him as the best six man, mainly because if you look at his playoff stats, they fall off a lot. And I think the reason they do so is one, defensively, like Jay mentioned, he just was not a great defensive player. He's a smaller guy. and on the thin side obviously so he couldn't hold it down against any wings like like Manu could in a sense uh, and if you just look at his overall body of work by far he shines a lot more in the regular season for for that reason but in the regular season his stats were I think he went over 20 a game multiple times obviously finished six man of the year three times but this has to go to Manu uh, it just it, based on playoff performance there's no one else who's going to touch that I, th I think he fit the Clipper squad perfectly, and I'll always think fondly of him. So congratulations to him on retirement, for sure. Uh, I'll, and I'll remember those days really well. But 
to answer that question. I think he's number three. I actually think Lou Will is just slightly above him in six-man rankings. Just having yeah, watched both of those guys closely for six, seven years, Lou was just a little bit more complete as a playmaker to me. So yeah, I think, I, I, think I would there. agree with I, I would agree with you. I think it goes Manu, Will, and then Crawford. Yeah. Um, the thing that I will say about Crawford, though, I think um, him retiring, it's like a a, dire, a dying breed of like street ballers that like made the NBA. Yeah. You know, I think of I think of players like like White Chocolate that we just mentioned. I think of uh, Iverson, Jamal Crawford's there. Even Kyrie at times seems like a street baller. Jamal Crawford definitely was that. I mean, the way that he handled the ball and just crossed you up and then hit a dagger, you know? It was a lot of fun to watch. I'm going to take us to our next topic here. Malik Monk had comments on veteran leadership. This is his quote here. Older guys yelling at rookies because it's their fault. Everything they do, it's your fault out there because they know everything that you do. Oh, sorry. They know everything and you don't. And when you mess up, you got to take it. You got to deal with things like that. I talk to Austin almost every day. What do you guys think of Malik Monk's comments here? He's speaking like a rookie, which is you got to take it and whatever the vet says, you do it. It's kind of like the varsity and freshman uh, mentality. Sorry, freshman, you're on the bottom of the uh, totem pole and you got to do what varsity says. And just for comedic relief, I just think it's hilarious that they get yelled at by a squad that has Melo, who doesn't play defense. Russ, who doesn't play defense. Dwight, who looks clueless on defense. And LeBron James, who yells at his own teammates to grab the rebound, even though his man that he's supposed to box out grabs it from him. Hate it. I also find it funny because I would argue that this season, and only this season, Malik Monk has probably been the second best player on the team. I think you could argue that point. And just... What else is there to say about just this absolute glorious train wreck that is the Los Angeles Lakers this season? It doesn't surprise me at all. We know Russ is not the quietest guy. He's probably the main veteran doing the yelling. I would imagine that. But I think your point is absolutely right. This team's hallmark was defense in the last few years. We never heard anything like this. And the year the defense falls off the cliff, all of a sudden now there's all this yelling and stuff going on. It just speaks to the fact that the team construction is obviously, as we've talked about a lot, just beyond poor. But Sammy, they got to run it back with that team, dude. Run it I back mean, next year. I mean, that's my hope and prayer. But I would imagine <laughs> that John disagrees. John, your thoughts? First of all, I wanna, I can't, I will not stand for any more of this Lakers slander here on this episode. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm going to lift up my team here. So. Malik Monk is not a rookie, for anybody that's aware. He was drafted in 2017 with the 11th overall pick. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is him speaking up on behalf of the rookies, right? To defend them, and because clearly they're either scared of LeBron and Westbrook and the other vets, which understandably so if you're a rookie and you're just coming into the league. So I don't mind this at all, honestly. I know that there's a lot of friction, there's a lot of things that are happening with the Lakers they're 10 games under 500 they're barely going to make the play in probably but I don't mind this it's it kind of shows that you know you you're standing up to the vets and Malik Monk is standing up for his teammates that are rookies 
So to me, I, I find it as a positive thing. I know that the, obviously the media is going to spin it and say, man, there's so much friction. There's so much things that are going on in the, in the locker room that are, you know, bad or negative. But I think when, when people are talking, when there is friction, when there is a lot of um, debates and, and people confronting each other, I think that's when you find out who you are as a team, as individuals, and you, you know, maybe it's a good thing that they're standing up for, for to the vets because now that they can, you know, go out there and, and play like they're meant to be there and not just rookies. Oh, you know, John, I'll, I'm going to zig with you because I... 100% agree with you. And the reason why I agree is because I think Malik Monk knows. I think he knows that Austin Reeves is not like a key piece to this team, but he's an important part. And I think you got to empower those players, right? And I think that's I think that's what he's doing. Right? Yes, sir. He has to be empowering him a little bit by by saying this, by saying, "Hey, you have a voice too. I know that sometimes we yell at you." But you have a voice too, and you're important. And I think this is kind of a sneaky way to do this. And also, maybe Malik Monk is also talking to the veterans here. Like, hey, maybe we're being a little too hard on this guy because we're going to need to lift him up and not break his confidence. I don't know. So I might be with you, John. Do you guys have an argument for that? Lakers winning the championship, baby. Let's go. I, Austin I, Reeves. I, I think when we look back on this season, the uh, the song that's going to describe it is "Beautiful Disaster." For those of you that remember 311. <laughs> okay. There we go. Hold up. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win. You win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and up. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we're going to take it to the next topic here. The clinic is now going to diagnose which superstars had their legacy threatened depending on their performance in the postseason. So let's dive into the expectations and what it could mean for these stars' reputation. First, we're going to start with James Harden. What do you think this postseason is going to have on James Harden's legacy? I've made a huge mistake. They better get to the conference finals, bare minimum. Because he keeps on forcing his way out, choosing new teammates, and then he comes up short in the playoffs. So they need to get to the conference finals, and he doesn't need to get dragged there by Embiid. He has to be a big part of that engine. 5-11 and 11 in game sixes and sevens in his career, shooting 42% in elimination games overall, less than 33 from the three-point line, career minus. It's time to show up. It, it's, it's time to go against a tough squad, whether that's a Miami or whether that's Brooklyn or any of these teams and back up the reputation that you have. And if they get knocked out in the second round again, unless MB just has a complete tank performance, all the blame is going to go on him and probably rightfully so. Bonafide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Sammy. At the very, the bare minimum, they have to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And... I know people are criticizing him for the players that he's played with and the talent that helped him, but they do have a point. 
he has played with CP3, he has played with Dwight Howard, Russ, Katie, Kyrie, Beal. I mean, there are other superstars that don't even have the opportunity play, to play with other superstars. Yet at one point or another, he's played with, at the bare minimum, one beside him. So if you're gonna force your way out to another team, not once, but twice, and then come into camp out of shape, and then all of a sudden you look good at Philly, going to the rack, drawing fouls, having your step back three in your repertoire again. It's kind of like, dude, um, not only are people talking smack about your playoff performance, but now people are questioning your character and that's never good for your legacy. I agree to an extent. And what I mean by that is I think that if James Harden doesn't perform this postseason and doesn't do what we expect him to do, it's going to hurt his legacy in the short term. But it's hard. You can't say that it's complete, that it's still TBD to me because he's still going to play next year and the year after that. And so the story is still unwritten. He's not like he's retiring. This is his last year. If it was, then it obviously would mean the world in terms of his legacy. But if if they do fail, he could still has an opportunity to go to a team, win a title, you know, re-up with the Sixers, whatever it may be. Wow, I'm Mr. Manager. Yeah, I mean, all, all I really need to say about this James Harden situation in the postseason is don't call yourselves Kobe and Shaq yet. Don't call yourselves yes. that yet because your history doesn't say Kobe. It definitely 100% does not say Kobe. So until then, until you perform in the playoffs, I'm going to hold that to the actual Kobe Bryant. What? Anyway, the next one, Kevin Durant. Blake! So KD, he has two finals MVPs. He has two rings. But what's on everyone's mind is, can you win without the Golden State Big Three, which is Steph, Clay, and Draymond? And I felt last year, he kind of got out of the bad negative energy that people called him a snake just because he balled, he balled out. Yeah. But in terms of legacy and to solidify himself within top 15, top 10 on some people's list, he needs to win a championship without the Warriors. Yeah, he needs to win one as the guy, as the indisputable number one on the team. And he has that on the Nets, right? Kyrie is a close second, I would argue. But that's KD's team. And he has to win one, a title, with being that guy, being the, the one that leads the team, that is the number one superstar on that team. So... For me, yeah, it's it, there's a lot on the line for him. No agony, no bragging-y. I'm going to go a little contrarian on this in that if they somehow win the title this year, I actually think it completely solidifies his legacy as maybe a top five player with what they dealt with this year. If he turns around and still leads them out of the play-in, probably against Philly or Miami in round one, going through the East gauntlet and then getting through the finals with his second best player on that team playing, what is it going to be, 20 regular season games, I think, by the time we're done? With what happened yeah. with Harden, with Simmons still not playing, 
I actually think this season could be more of an opportunity for him than anything else, because if he doesn't win the title this year, I don't think anyone really expects it right now with how this season has gone mm. for that team. And the other thing I think I, I give him a ton of credit on is I believe he's 33, which is in the past when players started to go on their downside a little bit, coming off the Achilles, looking like he hasn't missed a step in these last two years. When he's been healthy, that's obviously the caveat. It feels like his game is going to age well, and depending on how this team plays out next year, they might actually have a better opportunity then. So for this year, I actually I could see it being an opportunity to really completely solidify himself. But I do agree with all of you that at some point he's got to win another ring without Golden State and where he's clearly defined as a top guy. Yeah, I mean, last year, KD went absolutely bonkers. Like, he almost took down that Milwaukee team single-handedly. I mean, James Harden was out there, but he was injured. So he was like a shell of himself, kind of like this year in the Nets. But I think I think you're right, Sammy. I think if he does take this all the way, I think that kind of solidifies him as one of the greats of all time because everyone is basically counting Brooklyn out of the maybe the finals um, race. But I still think people think they're sort of frisky, so they can't totally com completely like count them out. But they're definitely not a favorite. What about LeBron James? LeBron what about LeBron James' legacy? I'm gonna start this off. So I don't think it does anything to harm his legacy at all. And the reason I say that, let's say, assume the Lakers don't make the play-in, or they make the play-in, they lose in the first round. I don't think it does anything for his legacy. Last year, they lost in the first round. AD was hurt. But in the short term, I think people are going to talk about it. Skip Bayless is obviously going to spend two straight weeks talking about it if it were to happen. But you have to remember, just look at LeBron's achievements as a whole. And in, in the long term, that's all that's going to matter. I mean, Kobe had a rough last three years of his career, but people don't talk about that. They talk about all of his achievements. They talk about everything that he did, the five championships he won. LeBron has four championships. He is indisputably one of the greatest players of all time. And so I just don't think it's going to really mean much. I know that obviously they've underachieved greatly this year, albeit there have been injuries. There's been a lot of, you know, the roster construction, nine new players. It's tough. And so, but I, I don't think people are going to knock LeBron for this, assuming the worst, which is missing the playoffs. That is correct. I think... For, for me, I, I agree in a vacuum. This one year probably won't affect him too much. I do look back at his entire Lakers tenure, though. And obviously, they won the title, so it's not going to be looked at as poorly. But sake of argument, let's say that that team lost in the Western Conference Finals. I really think his entire Lakers stay really would have potentially tarnished his legacy. Because if you take that out... Miss playoffs, out in first round, probably playing and bounce this year. For someone who a lot of people define as the 1B greatest player of all time, that's a horrible run. And a lot of it is based on moves that he wanted. A lot of it is based on the fact that he is an older player now and getting hurt. But the bubble ended up being perfect for him and Davis. They got that three months off and they got to recharge and it worked out perfectly. So I don't think it's going to get looked at in that same way other than by pure basketball historians, but I just, I think on some level with who he is as a player, doesn't the Laker tenure go down a little bit as a disappointment 
Makes sense. I just, I'll just respond quickly. I disagree because of his age. I think a lot of people are going to point again to how old he is or how old he was when he joined the Lakers, which is kind of, in general, in the general sense for most players, the decline or the start of the decline after your prime. So I think people are going to use that as a justification for, like you said, his less than expected performance being one of the greatest players to play. I can see that. I'm Michael Jackson, you Tito. So this might be a hot take for you guys, but out of the three that we've listed, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James so far, for the legacy threat, I'm going to put LeBron James as number one, dude. Because the expectations for this season, the Lakers were probably 80% of this pod's pick to make it all the way. And when we talk about overall legacy, John, I loved your point that you said, you know, people in general, when they think of LeBron James, it's just one season. He's also 37. But when we talk about greatness and the GOAT conversation and his name, the King, this season is definitely going to hit a mark on his resume, man because he's the one that compiled this team together. He, he, individually, the talent is there, but I don't know if it's like the combination of these people or of this roster or not. You know what I mean? Do you guys, what do you guys think of that? Well, the, the thing I think about is LeBron James is still on a tear, even though his team sucks. I mean, he's, he's still yeah. averaging like 29 points, eight rebounds and like, Yes, sir. I don't know, like five, six assists or something like that, which is absolutely ridiculous. I bet you that's on par with his career averages, too. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to say that I think history is going to be forgiving to LeBron James for this season, even though, even though he's responsible for a lot of these moves, which I think he should be punished for, right? When you think about the overall impact of LeBron James, if you're also playing GM, you should you know, kind of take a hit for that. But I think his player legacy isn't going to take a hit because he's already done so much for the league. And like John said, it's been 16, 16, 17 years. I I forget. It's already been a super duper long time. And I don't think two, three years in LA is going to do anything to really tarnish his legacy now. Yeah. Agreed. And I'm going to pull up. I have his numbers right here, June, just so you have it. So He's averaging 30 points on 52% field goal percentage, 35 from three, eight rebounds, six assists, one steal, and one block a game at 37 years old. What? The 30, That's ridiculous. The 30 points per game is the third highest of his entire career. It's actually tied for second. He scored 30 a game in 2007. His highest was 2005 when he averaged 31.4. So I think, like you said, when people look at the individual statistics of this year at 37 years old, they're going to justify whatever, they're going to use that as a justification regardless of how bad the Lakers are, and they're bad this year. So uh, to me, I don't think it's going to affect his legacy at all. So rolling into that, do you think he's partially motivated to win the scoring title this year because he's number one right now? to kind yes. of block out how bad this season has been from a historical perspective. 100% yes. Agreed, yes. Yes. He yes. needs he needs something. Because he's 50 he needs point something games to hit the news. showing up. 
last couple yeah. weeks. Dude, he's been on an absolute... I want to say that he's averaged, like, at least over 30 for the past, like, seven, eight games or something like that. Oh, he also he, had, like, yeah. a 56-point a game or something like that. Yeah. Crazy. We're going to take it to the next one. Chris Paul. What do you think these upcoming playoffs do for Chris Paul? This is it. You better yeah. win it. Go ahead, Jeff. You better win it. He's point god. You ain't no point god without a ring, homie. Yeah. Steph Curry. Agreed. Steph Curry is the point god right now, not you. I'm going to agree. Yeah, he's might have to be demoted to point prince if it doesn't work out this year. <laughs> look at the West. Point Jester. Memphis he has is the good, squad but, right yeah, now. Memphis is good, but they're he young. They don't have the experience. Golden State obviously is having injury issues. They have all year. You can poke holes in pretty much every team from two down to ten out west. It's wide open. Phoenix is nine games ahead of Memphis. It's not even close. You don't make it this year, then what's left to be said? And out east, they're going to be beating each other up to get to the finals. Phoenix has to be the favorite this year. So if you don't get it this year, then when and how come? I mean, like, it, I mean, JJ's gonna love this because I'm gonna put some real slander on Chris Paul right now, but I feel like his <laughs> legacy is already tarnished. I mean, how many chances are we gonna give Chris Paul to win a title? He's had so many opportunities with so many legit elite teams, right? Are yep. we, I mean, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Suns, bonafide stars on his team, amazing role players, and he comes up short every time. He does get further with some teams, but he has come up short when it matters. And being up 2-0 as a leader of the team, as the point guard, you need to close that series against the Bucks, and you didn't, you failed to do it. So to me, I feel like the legacy is already kind of tarnished. But yeah, this will be this will be the proverbial nail in the coffin. Talk to him. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I think that I think the Houston one could be forgiven a little bit. I think that was a weird fit for Chris Paul. Like he didn't really that wasn't the Chris Paul that we're used to seeing. Like you know from like the Clippers. But I think this iteration of Chris Paul with the Suns, with DeAndre Ayton, with Devin Booker, with Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, like it looks like Chris Paul. And I think this team. It's his chance, man. It's his chance to get a ring and, and actually have his legacy untarnished, right? Because we all think this about his legacy already. Like, dude, he, this guy can't get it done. He definitely can rewrite, rewrite history here. That's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you guys for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, listeners. John, thanks for being on. Hey, have a good night. Sammy, thank you. Thank you. Always good to be here. Why don't you uh, di- uh, plug diagnosing the lines real quick? Sure. We've been starting to drop some picks for uh, same game parlays, uh, doing just various things. We did some stuff with Evan Mobley last week, points and rebounds, some stuff with Nikola Jokic, focusing on that. And then as we get later into the summer, we'll do some playoff stuff. And for those of you who are also football fans, we're starting to look at some football futures as those get released once free agency ends there. So. A little oh, bit nice. of everything for those of you who are interested in multiple sports. 
And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All MBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All MBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All MBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.